What's up, everybody? This is Will Pruitt here with the ProWrestling.net All Access Podcast, and I'm going to talk to you today about the February 23rd episode of Impact Wrestling on Spike TV. Before I get to that, let's get some plugs out of the way. .NET membership is a fantastic value, guys, and uh, if you're listening on the All Access side, you know the audio's good. You keep coming back for more. You keep coming back and saying, aw, yeah, give me a little bit of that audio. Well, we got more than a little bit of audio for you on the members' side. On top of some shows that you get little weekly previews of here, you're going to get Jason Powell reviewing Raw every week. Chris Shore and Jake Barnett reviewing SmackDown every week. Myself reviewing TNA Impact every week. Plus, you're going to get Chris Shore's Audio Slant member exclusive. You're going to get Jason Powell's Q&A member exclusive. You're going to get Jake Barnett and I on the .NET Countdown member exclusive and the flagship, the Big Daddy. You're going to get Chris Shore and Jason Powell on .NET Weekly, another member exclusive show. And in that one, I just want to highlight it for a minute, Jason often breaks first run news. He's going to say things that maybe just one source gave to him. He's not going to put it out on the side. It's going to appear, boom, right there, just in .NET Weekly. You're just going to listen to it, hear it. It's an informative show, a lot of news and analysis. They break down all the major stories of the week, and often just little tidbits that you're not going to hear anywhere else. So that's pretty awesome on the .NET membership side of things. On top of that, you get ad-free access to ProWrestling.net, which is always fantastic. You also get access to the .NET members forum. We got a great forum and a great group of folk in there, and they're just going to come on. You're going to talk to them. It may, you know... We have live threads going throughout uh, Raw most of the time, SmackDown, Impact, pay-per-views, and we just chat about the show. A little, It gets a little snarky, gets a little fun. I have a great time in there, and uh, it's a great chance to interact with uh, staff members and other .NET members as well. Bonus points, boom, here we go. You also get to write your own .NET member blogs in there, and that is a, a great section when it is hopping. So, uh... If you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, that just sounds fantastic. There's nothing about .NET membership that I won't enjoy, as you should be. You can go ahead, go on over to ProWrestling.net on your computer and or tablet device or cell phone. You know, we're all equal opportunity here. There's a link on the right-hand side of the page talking about .NET membership. Click that bad boy, sign on up, and for the low low rate of $5.50 a month, you can become a .NET member. That is, uh, you know, at, that is on the annual rate. And believe me, you lock it in for a year, you won't regret it. That's definitely money worth spending, especially as we go into WrestleMania season. But if you just want to try it out, you're a little hesitant, and you know, maybe you just want to listen to the interviews. Have I mentioned the interviews? I should mention the interviews. Chris Jericho, Brock Lesnar, Hurricane Helms, um, Sean Devari, Just Incredible, PJ Polacco. I mean, it, it just goes on and on. You've got Sean Waltman on there, Conan, um, former TNA creative team member and current uh, creative team member for Ring Ka King, Dutch Mantel. Have an interview with him. We've got Seth Mates, former WWE creative team member. We've got Court Bauer, former WWE creative team member. Don Marie, um, Sinister Minister, Jim Mitchell. Just basically, we've got interviews, constantly doing interviews. Um, one... If you enjoyed Tough Enough and you want to get some backstage scoop and some craziness on it, Michelle Dighton sat down with Jason Powell for a uh, couple-hour long interview that was phenomenal. 
She she dished dirt that you're not going to hear anywhere else about tough enough, and that that was some crazy town right there. So, if you're sitting there now and you're going, holy crap, interviews too? Again, prowrestling.net. If you just want to try it out for one month, maybe get those interviews, listen to them, all that, give the audio shot, 750, boom, you're in, one month membership, get it done. If you know, if you're ready to make that big commitment, if you are if you like it and you want to put a ring on it, as you should, head on over, take the annual option, you're not going to regret it. So, uh, anyways, guys, that's the uh, plug for prowrestling.net, but now let's talk about TNA. Total nonstop action wrestling, and uh, the Impact episode that aired on February twenty third. This was taped um, some of it on Monday, some of it on Tuesday. The Brandon Jacobs stuff. They had him around for one day, taped him for two shows. So let's check this out real quick. Um, show opened. And I'm just gonna run through it in order. It's easy for me that way. The big story came at the end, and we're gonna we're gonna get there. Believe me. The show opened with a recap of Bobby Roode and Sting's little tiff that's going on. Yes, I use the term tiff. Not like Tiffany. If your name is Tiffany and you're listening, I apologize. Anyways, the show opened with a a recap of their little tiff and Bobby Roode coming to the ring to his instrumental off-the-chain music. His videographic still says off-the-chain. What about Bobby Roode is off-the-chain? Nobody knows. No one will ever know. And uh, Bobby Roode talked about Sting's tweet that he put out there this week that simply left the cryptic message, I'm done. And he talked about how he is the man that made Sting retire. He ran down a list of Sting's great opponents and said, Of all of them, it took Bobby Roode to finish him off. It took the it factor of professional wrestling. It took the leader of the selfish generation. And uh, this was a really nice little promo from Bobby Roode. I thought... It had focus, it had intensity, it didn't feel like rattling off catchphrase talking points. It felt like a organic, really good promo. And that's something we've been missing from Bobby Roode since his heel turn. There's been a lack of, um, I don't want to say a lack of commitment, but it's felt that way. There's just something hasn't been connecting with Bobby Roode in the audience. And I feel like on this show, he really connected. This promo was um, a great example of that. He got heat. I don't know if it's piped in or not. I'm guessing it probably was because they were in the impact zone. But the heat didn't feel not justified. It's not like when Garrett Bischoff gets beat up and you hear heat and don't see anyone moving. It felt like he was at least getting some heat. And TNA, if you want to sweeten some heat to make it much heat, I'm down with that. If you want to sweeten no heat to make it thunderous heat, that's where we run into some issues. So this was a nice little bit of promo work from him. And he said that uh, tonight Sting's going to appear on the show and he's going to say his goodbyes. This was a nice little hook for later in the show as well. I mean, they started with a story that they planned to pay off at the end. Um, they had promoted it all week on, you know, the TNA website and Twitter. And, you know, the I'm done thing. Here's the thing about that tweet. It. Yes, it was using social media as a promotional device more than I think wrestling should rely on it. But it, they did so in, an or, in a semi-organic way where it was, okay, he's going to tweet this. We're going to talk about it. We're going to respond to it. It wasn't a Twitter deluge. You know, other wrestlers talked about it throughout the night. 
they didn't make you feel like you had missed a storyline point by not following Sting on Twitter, but they did tell the story nicely using Sting's Twitter as a component of it. And that, I believe, is how you do the social media thing. That, you know, that was a great example of it. We know, um, you know, and part of this, you know, we talk about Dave Lagana being having a more prominent role in writing the TNA shows, at least helping to script and everything. Maybe he, you know, he loves social media more than life itself. And maybe he's sitting there going, let's use the Twitter a little more. And the, you know, TNA, Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff are going, yeah, the Twitter. I don't know. I just really see that happening in a meeting. Like them high-fiving each other because they decided to use the Twitter. A boy can dream, right? So then we cut backstage to a segment with Matt Morgan and Crimson bickering. Oh, they're upset. Talking about whose fault it was that they lost those tag team titles. And Morgan said they're the two most dominant men in TNA, and tonight they need to win their titles back. Crimson's like, I'm in. (sighs) This tag team. I I don't understand why I would cheer for Matt Morgan and Crimson. They just come off as, excuse the term, D-bags. They come off as jerks. Like, I'm watching the show, I want to cheer for people that I like. You know, someone has to have something likable for me to want to cheer about them. And they've never shown me why I should like Morgan and Crimson. They come out all intense and, I don't know. They strike me as those guys at the bar who are just huge jerks wearing Ed Hardy and Affliction t-shirts that you just don't want to be around. That's who they are. Like, I feel like, especially Crimson, that's who he is in real life. You know, And I could be wrong. I could be way off. He could be the nicest guy in the world. And if he is, I'd love to meet him, have a beer with him, and uh, shoot the breeze someday. But his TV persona seems like a jerk. So I'm going to uh, stick with that for the moment. And um, this promo, of course, led to our first match of the night, which was Samoa Joe and Magnus defeating Matt Morgan and Crimson to retain the TNA Tag Team Championships. This was about a nine-minute match. Three minutes of it was commercial. And that's fine. You know, TNA, you've got to take commercial breaks at some point. I just wonder why wrestling companies now. And this is something that a lot of companies are doing. You know, um, as, well, the big two, at least. They think, you know, what a prime time for a commercial break is? Middle of a match? Not, hey, let's take a commercial, get into the match, and make the match the 15 minutes without a commercial. Let's take it in the middle. I'm a wrestling fan. I probably see things different than a casual, you know, than your casual fan that's like, I love the talking. And I do love some of the talking. I would hate a two hour show of all wrestling. In fact, ROHI pay per views drive me bonkers at times because it is that three hour wrestle fest. Just, oh my God, make it stop. I've seen so many suplexes today. Yes, suplexes. I'm pretty sure that's the ROH match formula is, hey, add in about seven more suplexes. Only seven? Yeah, only seven, Davey. More suplex. Okay. You know, a suplex, a kick, and a headbutt, and that's pretty much an ROH match. Yes, I know I'm generalizing, and ROH has had some phenomenal matches throughout the years, but it's my audio, and I can generalize, dang it. So, moving swiftly forward. The match was alright. The The action was solid. Um, it ended the same way their pay-per-view encounter was, which was miscommunication between Morgan and Crimson, which led to um, Crimson hitting Morgan 
and Joe being able to capitalize, and uh, Joe and Magnus hitting their snapmare slash flying elbow combo. Uh, not an offensive match. I don't know if I enjoy the. Uh, I don't know if I enjoy the repeat of the pay per view finish, but at the same time, what seven people saw the pay per view, so it's not like everyone went to. You know, it's not like everyone's going to know that that was a repeat of the finish. And it was a nice way to set up why there will be tension between Morgan and Crimson going forward. Now, it's that tension between Morgan and Crimson that doesn't excite me. I don't want to see Matt Morgan versus Crimson. I can't think of a less exciting feud to sit through on TNA programming than Morgan and Crimson. I, I don't think either. I think both men need to be carried to an extent in the ring. I don't think they bring out the best in each other. And there's just not a whole lot of, yay! that I can muster up to watch that one. So, why is TNA going back to this feud? Well, they're two big guys, and Crimson's undefeated. Crimson is undefeated because he got lucky in a lot of matches. He's not undefeated because he's dominant. It's not like Goldberg. He's pretty much... Like, if you were to book the anti-streak, that would be Crimson's streak. It is the anti-streak. It doesn't matter to anyone, you know? And... Not to mention he's now lost two matches in a row with uh, these tag title match losses. Yes, it does count as losing a match, even if you're not pinned in the match, because you did not win. And if you don't win a wrestling match, you lose a wrestling match. little uh, trivia for you there, but it's true. And I know they can easily ignore it and blah, 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 but that's life. Then we saw um, New York Giants running back Brandon Jacobs make his way to the ring and... Uh, he was referred to so often as Super Bowl, like, every time someone said something about him, it was Super Bowl champion, New York Giant, running back, Brandon Jacobs. Mike Tanay all night. Super Bowl champion, New York Giant, running back, Brandon Jacobs. He will appear later. And that was all we got from, and he came to the ring and said, you know, I'm Brandon Jacobs, Super Bowl champion, running back. And, um, he talked about how, um, he said the one thing you do after you win the Super Bowl, is you go to Impact. Yeah, I, I guess Disney World would only let Eli Manning in, so he had to go to Universal Studios. He got roped into coming to this show. He doesn't quite know why, and Dixie Carter won't let him leave. It's, a, it's an embarrassing situation, let me tell you. But, no, I, I thought that this was some nice, um, some really nice notability for TNA, actually. That, I, And I think that's what this whole program lends them. You can get grumpy and talk about how you don't feel like it adds anything and the money they paid him isn't worth it, but they've got a Super Bowl champion less than a month after winning the Super Bowl on their show. It's pretty cool. I, I'm i in support of this, even if I thought it got into overkill mode a little bit throughout the night. Seriously, who knew running backs could do a choke slam? Anyways, uh, and we'll get to that. Oh, will we get to that? But he talked about how he overstepped his bounds last week um, with what happened between him and Bully Ray. He said he doesn't excuse Bully Ray for hitting him in the face, and uh, he has some for spitting in his face. And he has some unfinished business with him and called him out. This was a little odd. They let Brandon Jacobs go out there for a long period of time on the mic alone. Now that's just not nice. This guy, th- this guy's not a wrestler. He can't cut a wrestling promo. You need to help him out, protect him a little bit, and make it a situation where he's not getting. Oh, oh, oh! Let's uh. Watch out, you know, where he's not getting fans going, uh, 
Is he still talking? He's not good at this. Because he wasn't that great at it. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. Now, if only TNA had someone on their roster. Someone who was capable of cutting a really good babyface promo. I, I just wonder if they have anyone capable of cutting an absolutely brilliantly transcendent promo that might just do the job of getting someone over. Oh, gosh. They don't have the best babyface promo in wrestling today on their roster, do they? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Who's that guy? You know the one, uh, you know, the moonshine sipping, beer drinking, Johnny Cash lit. Oh, James Storm. James Storm could have easily come out for this segment and done that promo with him. Talked about his number one contendership. Talked about helping Brandon Jacobs get his hands on Bully Ray. And hyped up the crowd a little better. Where is the James Storm promo? Where was, you know, and I know they're probably saving a lot of it going into lockdown. They want to really focus on James Storm, his journey going into lockdown. I get that, but you start that build now. You don't start it in a month. It's bad enough that you're doing this cage match in a month without doing a match first. That's that's a little bit of odd storytelling. But then you take this guy, James Storm, you didn't have him cut a promo on the London shows. Why? That doesn't even make sense. He's in front of the largest crowd in TNA history, and if anyone can whip them into a frenzy, it's James Storm. You don't have him cut a promo on pay-per-view. You don't have him cut one last week. Like, when is James Storm just going to get to tear it up on the microphone again? That's what I'm wondering. That's that's what I want to see in TNA is just some awesome James Storm promos. But Bully Ray came out, and Bully did a nice job of connecting Jacobs to the fans in a way that Jacobs was not connecting before. And um, he called him Brenda, told him to settle down, put over his calves, because Bully Ray has the best calves in wrestling. Calfzilla, son. Um, Jacobs said if Ray wasn't, or Jacobs basically said um, if Ray wasn't coming to him, he would go to Bully Ray. He chased Jacobs to the back. Um, Jacobs did an okay job, like I said, not great. We came back from the break. Brandon Jacobs was talking to the camera. James Storm and Jeff Hardy came up and were like, hey, we can help you out. Let's go talk. And they had a little conference in the back. Um, so that happened. Then we got our second match of the night. This was Zima Ion defeating Alex Shelley in 3 minutes and 58 seconds. These guys packed about 5, 6, 7 minutes worth of move into 4 minutes worth of match. In a good way. It was a really, it was a good, solid match. These two, again, they work so well together. I just questioned the decision. Oh, during this match, Austin Aries came down to ringside with a bucket of popcorn and a glass of red wine and hung out at ringside eating popcorn and sipping red wine watching the match. Um, the match ended basically with a roll-up. Shelly got rolled up by Ion. One, two, three, off of the distraction at ringside. I question having Shelly lose two weeks in a row. It's weird to me to have him lose two weeks in a row. Alex Shelly, I honestly believe, is the guy who can be the babyface equivalent of Austin Aries. They can be the two. That can be the feud of the X-Division. You can build six months of X-Division around that feud in various incarnations. Especially in light of the match that they had at um, at last pay-per-view. Against all odds. That's what it was called. But instead, it just feels like they're walking away from the feud really more than they should. Um, yeah, it was a really, really odd decision, especially when there's other baby faces around in the exhibition to have Ion beat. So that was odd. But it was a really good match, so that was a plus. Um 
The new X Division, I was critical of it there for a while because it looked like they had abandoned it. The new X Division is looking really nice. It's TNA's doing a nice job with it, and I hope they continue to spotlight them. Austin Aries had an interesting tweet about a, a football player getting into the, involved in the main event, and the exhibition champion can't even sniff the main event. I really think they need to do an impact main event that's for the exhibition title. Make it feel important. Give it those um, Jeremy Borash ring introductions, and make it the impact main event. Give, even give it a little bit of an overrun, and let two guys go out there for the exhibition title and tear it up. You do it once, eh, maybe it doesn't draw that well. You do it the second time. People are going to know that they're going to get a good match, and they're going to enjoy it. Um, yeah. Then we got our weekly Garrett Bischoff segment. So, you know, I didn't want to weep or anything. Um, Bischoff. They, they showed, I think it was the same video from last week with Gunner and Garrett just talking about their pay-per-view match. And uh, then we saw Hulk Hogan talking in the back to Garrett Bischoff. And Hulk was like, hey, uh, I know you're stubborn and it's in your DNA, brother. But I, brother, want to uh, talk to you, brother, about how, brother, you, uh, brother, may want to, brother, give up on this, brother. Oh, no, brother. I know, brother, that you don't, brother, want to uh, go ahead and, uh, you know, give up, brother. You're stubborn, brother. But you need to know what you're getting into, brother. And Garrett said he knows. He appreciates everything Hogan has done for him. Hogan said Garrett has a bullseye on his back. Is that the bad wrestler bullseye? Because that, that exists, and that's on his back. Is that the, I'm overpushed because my uh, son can't, is that because my father wants me to be? Because that's on his back. Um, aside from that, I don't know what bullseye it would be. Yeah, I, I don't like putting Garrett Bischoff here. I don't like him. I just don't like the use of him at this moment, to be honest. And I've been over that many times, but I'll say it again. Dang it. Then we saw Madison Rain discussing her number one contendership. And how, you know, she just wanted to make sure that Gail Kim had the kind of competition she wanted. So here's the thing about this Madison and Gail Kim feud. It's a cool feud. I like it. I think it's a good idea. They're doing the exact same feud with Morgan and Crimson. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but they're having tag champs or former tag champs break up twice on the same show. <sighs> TNA. Between that and tonight, almost every, or on this show, almost every match had some sort of outside interference distraction finish. My God, guys, just focus in. Focus in. Tell one story, tell the same story once in a night and put it away. Not everyone needs outside interference. Not everyone needs to be a tag team breaking up. Focus in, focus up, tell one story one time, and then put it away for about three, four, five, six, seven months. And then you can break that story out again and tweak it and reincarnate it into something else if you really need to. But what you're doing now is just, yep, same story, same story, same story, same story. And it's getting exhausting, really. Um, our next match was Gail Kim versus ODB. And Gail Kim beat ODB, who had Eric Young with her in 5 minutes and 54 seconds. Um, ODB had a really good, really serious match with Mickey James in a uh, street fight, hardcore-style brawl a couple months ago, that I really enjoyed. I thought James seemed motivated. ODB had her working Razier on, and it was just, it was a really solid match. This was all Eric Young comedy mixed into a Gail Kim serious match, and just the tone did not match. It didn't work. Um, there was a disconnect there. 
which is fine. Disconnects happen. You know, you're, you're going to get disconnected in these situations. I didn't love it for that reason. It did really feel like it was disconnected. And then after the match, we saw Madison Rain trying to lift Gail Kim's arm and she wanted nothing to do with her and trying to congratulate her and hug her and be friends. And again, she wanted nothing to do with her. So then we saw AJ Styles talking with the cameraman as they set up the uh, arena around him. And he talked about how he needs to shift gears now. He's done with this personal stuff. He wants to focus on things that mean something to him. And I thought, because they had just promoted AJ Styles getting a TV title match, I thought someone on TNA television was actually saying that the TNA TV title means something to them. No, no, no. Let's not get crazy. He was talking about the world title. And then later in this match, once the match got started, Taz talked about how the first step to getting a world title shot is the TV title. And I was like, wow, that that's so true for Eric Young. I remember his world title shot, and Robbie E's got his coming too, right? Yeah, the TV title doesn't matter, and it should be eliminated. The little red toy belt does no one any good. Um, but our next match was AJ Styles defeating Robbie E in a TV title match via disqualification in 449. Um, another good match. Robbie E looked serious for these five minutes, and that was nice. He, uh, he, you know, he did a little bit of showboating and everything, but he was wrestling a nice heel style, not just comedy heel style, and that made me happy. AJ Styles, always great to watch in the ring. The finish for this one came when Kaz and Christopher Daniels came down, pulled AJ Styles off the apron when he was looking to springboard and the referee saw it and disqualified um, Robbie E. because of it. Robbie E. keeps the title. AJ Styles is frustrated. Kazarian, I guess the story now is that he's starting to turn evil after being blackmailed, I guess. Um, yeah. Then we got our fifth match of the night pretty much directly after this. After, and after a commercial break. And that was James Storm and Jeff Hardy with Brandon Jacobs defeating Bully Ray and Kurt Angle. In a no-disqualification tag team match in 13 minutes and 21 seconds, there was a commercial right before this match and in the middle of it, so I don't expect it to do a great rating. Um, this, this one, um, there's a lot of issues here. One, Kurt Angle's returning to the ring. When was the last time he wrestled on Impact? What? Why not make a big deal about it? Why not have an interview where he says where he's been, what he's been doing, what's going on? You know, why not have him... And, you know, the announcers highlighted last week, he cost Jeff Hardy the world title. That wasn't really highlighted either. It, it wasn't, you know, they mentioned it, but it wasn't like, no one knows what's, it wasn't a situation where they were even alluding to what that story would be. This match really felt like a setup with some main event guys to get Brandon Jacobs involved, and they did. The finish of this notice qualification match came with the table set up in the ring. Brandon Jacobs ran in and choke-slammed Bully Ray through the table. James Storm then immediately got the pin and uh, celebrated with Brandon Jacobs to finish the match. I mean, I understand why you give Jacobs a spot like that, although I don't think an NFL running back necessarily qualifies for choke-slam. Then again, it's a move that he could easily do, and you didn't have to teach him much. You saw Bully Ray pretty much got all of the air he needed to with those calves of gold he has. He got up high, and, uh, you know, Brandon Jacobs basically had to put his hand on Bully, go up with him, and throw, you know, act like he's throwing him down. 
it was fine for what it was, but it was a little more than I think Brandon Jacobs needed to do. I, I think a more effective way to involve him would have been even just a punch to Bully Ray's face. Bully turns around, gets the last call super kick, and gets pinned. Um, before this match, we did have James Storm cutting a little bit of a promo, you know, doing his are there any beer drinkers in the house routine, and saying, I know we've got one beer drinker in the back that wants to get his, that has some unfinished business with you, Bully Ray, and that brought out Brandon Jacobs. I like that. Any beer drinkers in the house routine. I just think you need to do more with, uh, with our, my friend and yours, James Storm, right now. So, then we got our main event segment. We bookended the show with Sting and Rude segments. We had a few Sting and Rude little promos um, with people talking about, well, you know, not with them, but with people talking about what would happen with them as the night went on. And the show, or, and we got Sting's music playing. He came to the ring, no face paint on, um, just a Sting t-shirt, sunglasses, and looked a little sad. You know, he was looking downtrodden. Um, he grabbed the mic, said it was obvious he made it public. He said, I'm done. Um, Sting lost control, and it was, this was all simply too much for him to handle. He was pushed over the edge, and he is done. Bobby Roode told that, uh, music and video guy, hit my things. And boy, howdy, did they hit his things. And Bobby Roode came to the ring. Um... Rude came in, wiping the fake tears from his eyes, and he apologized. He needed to be by Sting's side, he said, when Sting told the world that Bobby Rude forced him to retire, um, and that he is a better man. Sting said Bobby's name several times, like he does. Bobby. You know, and Sting says names like Hogan says brother. And uh, told Rude he didn't want a war, um, only a battle. He said that, uh, Sting said that Rude helped Sting make up. He then Sting took off his glasses, and in a pretty cool moment, um, as he's talking, started rub, you know, he had face paint somewhere, and started putting paint on his face. It was black paint, which was odd. I was hoping we would get white, and then maybe, you know, a little, because the Joker paint, it's not like it's as detailed as the Crow paint. Um, and he kind of switched into Joker Sting mode as he was doing this, and he started painting up his face, which again, was a cool moment. Um... And then uh, he said he was going to put on his boots, put on the tights and his war paint. He said at Victory Road, he's going to kick the living crap out of Bobby Roode. And Sting, um, Roode tried to kick Sting. Sting caught his foot, kicked him in the crotch, and Roode's writhed in pain. And Sting told Roode to follow the yellow brick road to Victory Road. And he said, uh, ta-ta for now. No, it's showtime. No, ta-ta for now. No, it's showtime was kind of arguing with himself in a neat moment. The Sting segment was fine. I don't love the idea of Sting going into the pay-per-view against Bobby Roode, just because I don't think this is the way you tell the Storm versus Roode story that is more important than the Sting versus Roode story. I also am really concerned. This is a babyface comeback for Sting. You want to keep him over? I believe you put Root over Sting big time. You have him beat the crap out of him. Sting goes out for three, four, five months on, um, you know, the quote-unquote injured list. I worry that because it's TNA and just in re with wrestling logic in general being what it is, 
I worry that the intention and plan is to have Sting go over Rude to show how weak he is and to give Sting that big baby face moment. Hey guys, I'm going to give you a hint. Your world champion is going into a cage match against the number one contender. It's your number one heel and your number one baby face up against each other. You don't need to have your number one heel lose to the legend. You need to have him beat the, the tar out of him. I actually think there is tar inside of Sting, and he can beat it out of him. That's what you need on this show. Just a little hint from me to you, TNA Creative. Take that one to the bank, guys. So, overall, this show, you know, let's focus up, look at the big picture, which is hard to do with TNA sometimes. It was decent. Um, it moved really quick. It clipped along. It had a pace of paces. And I thought that that hurt the show a little bit. The clip, the, let's go, let's go, let's go. Cool. Bobby Roode, cool. Sting, cool. Knockouts, cool. Exhibition, cool. Tag teams. There was a lot packed in here. I think TNA, again, we say it all the time about their storytelling. You slow down. You take a less is more approach. And maybe everything doesn't get on the show every week. But you get a little more substance. And people are going to come back every week to get more of that. So... But there was nothing really terrible on this show. Brandon Jacobs did a choke slam. That was odd. Sting went back into Joker mode, and I suppose this all depends on how you feel about Joker Sting, but it's not the most offensive thing I've ever seen. And, um, you know, you've got to set up for your next two pay-per-view main events. TNA is in the long build mode right now. That's somewhere that they don't get to often, but they're in a long build where they are trying to rock... Okay, we're building for the next for this pay-per-view and the next one right now. You need to lock James Storm into a nice placeholder feud. That's important. You need to make sure that uh, Bobby Roode is going to look strong against Sting. And really, you just need to make sure that that match, that flash, that lockdown main event, feels like the flash of two titans. That it feels like number one versus number one. And it's come to this. A great example of when TNA did that, it was Samoa Joe versus Kurt Angle in the um, lockdown cage in the Six Sides of Steel. TNA needs to make it feel like that. They can't make it feel like, oh, it's the lockdown main event, but, you know, lockdown gets a little weird and we just kind of do crap. No, they need to make it feel important going into it. So that's what I've got for you guys this week. Um, once again, ProWrestling.net. Check out that membership option. Um, if you don't want to become a member and you just enjoy the site and you've got an iPhone, Check out the apps if you haven't already. The ProWrestling.net app available in the Apple App Store. It's free. It's um, a great way to get all the news, results, and everything else that we do on the go. It, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I started coming to the site is I was looking for a good wrestling news app and that this was the best I could find. So, guys, check that out. Again, check out membership. And thank you for listening and for your support of the ProWrestling.net all access podcast. If you are listening on iTunes and uh, you want to be super kind, go ahead and rate us. Um, you know, leave some comments on the iTunes feed, all of that. We would greatly appreciate the feedback. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for supporting the all access podcast on prowrestling.net. And this is Will Pruitt signing off.